Incoming transmission. The Klingonese word of the day is Elish. These are the voyages of the starship Enterprise. So, this is a huge victory for the good guys. Scotty, beam me up. Resistance is futile. Live long and prosper. And welcome to the Computer Resume Podcast, the show covering the entire Star Trek franchise in chronological order for fans new and old. I'm your host, writer-comedian, Mr. Todd A. Davis. Small in stature, big in heart, smells like brownies, and always there when the scheduled guest cancels at the last minute. It's Ren Sims! Yeah! It's me! Yay! I'm only necessary when someone falls out. <laughs> Now, you know... Well, I can't get on the schedule otherwise. Oh, that's not true. You're one of our favorites. Come on. you've been, I think <laughs> I haven't run the numbers. A better podcast host would have. I think you're our most frequent guest over the last... Actually, this is the last... Uh, this is the last episode before our three-year anniversary. Yay! Yeah. yeah. That. More, more nice. on that later. <laughs> but yeah, thank you so much for, for carving out the time on such short notice. And, you know, for folks who are listening, who did listen to the last episode, uh, unfortunately, Brian Denham, editor-in-chief over at Antarctic Press, had some deadlines come up. You know, some things, uh, some projects got backed up last minute, had to bail, which is fine. He's a good friend of the show, and uh, there's no absolutely no hard feelings. So hopefully he will be back on sometime in the not too distant future. Uh, but when that message came through, I was sitting at the D&D table <laughs> and to my immediate <laughs> left was Araya, fairy wizard, played by Ren Sims. Who smells like brownies. Yeah, who smells like brownies. <laughs> and you heard me give, I'm going to have to edit myself, but you heard me give an audible, oh, sh <laughs> You're like, what's wrong? I was just like, oh, somebody bailed. I have to reschedule. <laughs> and you had this look on I your face. You. You had this look on your face. Your eyes got really wide. <laughs> and I was like, would you like to do it? <laughs> and you very graciously said you would. So thank you. You're welcome. I get a help. Yeah, yeah. Um, that night was really interesting. And now that I've got you one-on-one, -on -one, I can actually pick your brain about how <laughs> I did with my first, <laughs> how I did with my first homebrew of, we had a couple puzzle rooms and uh, to varying degrees of difficulty, it seems like. Um, general thoughts about our last D&D session. There was two rooms that were kind of based around religious teachings, I'll say. And then one room that was based on a pop culture reference that was none very... None of us got. Yeah, <laughs> none of you guys got. <laughs> Although your husband kind of stumbled across the answer... Uh, after, you know, seeing like the goodwill huntingness of his brain kind of work for a oh, second. Oh yeah. He was going to figure that puzzle out. Yeah. Uh, so what, what were your, uh, what were your thoughts about, uh, those rooms and how you guys, how you guys fared in that night? Um, honestly, I, it was a lot of fun. Um, I enjoyed the puzzles. I am so upset that I didn't catch the Sinatra reference. <laughs> My bad. <laughs> But that yeah. is actually not one of his songs that I know. So 
It's, uh, you know, I, I generally, if I'm doing like chores around the house, there's a couple of channels that I'll ask my, uh, Google dot to, to play and, um, big band era, i.e. Rat Pack, Frank Sinatra tends to be one of them. Oh yeah. Along with seventies rock and like nineties pop. <laughs> That's weird. I, yeah, and to be honest, like I dig that I dig the seventies the seventies rock channel quite quite often. Oh, I love seventies music. Yeah, it's a lot of fun. It's I'm a, a disco queen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, and you get a lot of good uh, ACDC. You get some oh, yeah. Queen. Like there's a lot of there's a lot of really great stuff coming out of the seventies. And every now and then they'll play a song, and I'm like think that's from the 70s <laughs> and i have to like double check stuff but anyways we are here at the beginning of strange new worlds had you watched any of strange new worlds before you said you'd come on the show no i had not so i was really happy when you said i was doing the second episode because <laughs> they wouldn't have to binge watch everything in like two days right <laughs> um so just before we get into like some of the nitty gritty details of this particular episode, what are your overall thoughts about the first two episodes of Strange New Worlds? Like, how are the aesthetics? What do you think of the performances? Um, the, the special effects are, you know, through the roof, obviously. But like, what are your general general vibes that you're getting from Strange New Worlds? Um, honestly, I'm really enjoying it. Um, I find it funny that it essentially starts out with a sex scene. Kind <laughs> of. <laughs> Every time I have an episode, there is some kind of booty in the episode. And I know I'm not covering the first one, but still. <laughs> it's not on purpose, I swear to God. <laughs> it's fine. I just find it hilarious that every single time. Um, but... I like the aesthetic. I really like the music. The theme song is good, but I don't know if it's because I was watching it on my phone in my car, but I was very underwhelmed by the enterprise shot that you always get when you see the ship. Just like, Oh, it's okay. <laughs> in the theme or like throughout the, throughout the episode. Well, like in the space dock, you know, how oh, okay, you, you okay. get the very first mm. look at the ship kind of thing. Yeah, no, no, that's a that's a good point. Um, you know, there's there's been a tradition of those big sweeping shots that seem to take forever, uh, you know, revealing the enterprise. In fact, it's even mm -hmm. been poked fun at in lower decks, uh, giving ridiculous angles of the Cerritos and all that stuff. Nice. But I feel like they kind of took a cue from the repeated use of the big sweeping shots of just kind of like well they saw it in discovery season two and fans definitely know what the 1701 looks like at this point so we're going to give you okay okay here's the enterprise let's let's keep moving with the story <laughs> okay okay see that makes better sense and i'm not mad at it yeah you know i think uh the motion picture gets a bad rap for those big long shots of the enterprise uh, which they significantly cut down in wrath of khan but you know those are feature length movies. They're like, hey, look, we've got fifty five yeah. minutes. We we gotta we gotta make this thing move. Okay, here's your big shot of the Enterprise. Everybody screenshot it for later. Let's move on. 
what else strikes you just generally about the first couple episodes here? It has an interesting tone to it. Mm. There's a lot of joking. There's a comfortability with the crew. Even the new people are, are, you can see them fit. Yeah. And the tone of it, you have that. And then you also have like the second episode, like three people, four people could have died. Like it's surprising they didn't kind of thing. It's like, it, it's, it's funny how they pair the two and it mm. just, I think it fits pretty good so far. So I'm interested to see how they do the other episodes and if they, if they keep with that. Yeah, you know, that's one of the things that I find with serialized narratives is when a character, you know, the you know, even if you're in a high stress situation, the sort of joking camaraderie between characters kind of helps solidify you as a reader. It invests you in that, you know, with that character. But also when a character unexpectedly dies, it kind of raises the stakes of like, oh, nobody's safe. And yeah. even with something like, uh, and I'm jumping ahead a little bit here, but when um, Sam Kirk gets knocked out by the Comet's musical energy burst. Energy, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> electric shock that might have killed him. It was like, yeah. like yeah, it essentially, I mean, they even say it like his heart stopped. <laughs> like, yep. that, that's a problem. Um, but again, it kind of, and I mean, we we know like, oh, Kirk, you know, Sam Kirk lives for a while. He's probably OK. But at the same time, it's just kind of like, oh, the force field's down. We don't have a medical officer with us. What are we going to do? And not to give too much away, but. The stakes stay pretty high throughout this series, at least through the okay. first two seasons that we've seen so far. So you've got that to okay. look forward to. Nice. But yeah, let's let's focus in a little bit more here before we get to the recap on this second episode, Children of the Comet. Yes. We see that kind of, you know, we're past introductions to a degree. I mean, we, we get yeah. a few more introductions we get more information about these characters and who they are sort of, you know, setting the stage for these narratives as they're going to unfold. But I was just wondering if you had any sort of overarching thoughts, you know, like I said, before we get to the recap about, you know, meeting Hemmer and, you know, meeting Sam Kirk, watching Nurse Chapel interact with Spock. We get a couple of good shots, a couple of great moments between Pike and number one. We we get a great little walk and talk between Uhura and Ortegas uh, on their way yes. to the captain's table. So any interactions uh, stick out in your mind? Any fun moments? Honestly, the whole episode was fun. Mm. Like it, 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 it. It's everything that you essentially want a Star Trek episode to be. It has some action in it. It's you there. There's some social, not issues, but usually a, a social conundrum of some kind. It is fun. It is super fun. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think we have a bunch of really fun things to talk about a little bit further. Uh, but before we get too much further into our discussion, let's get to this week's recap. Brought to you in part by our Patreon supporters, Rev J, Jerry Antimano, Cosmic Crit, Kitty B, David Willett, Ed Milner, 
Fleet Admiral First Class Fred Sims, and Ren, and Space Monkey 73. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Uhura is invited to a meal with the other crew members in Pike's quarters, where she reveals her uncertainty about her future in Starfleet because she only joined to escape from the pain of her parents' death. Later, the crew attempt to alter the course of a comet that's set to kill all the inhabitants of a desolate planet, but it has a force field that prevents this. And on that note, we cue the music. Uhura joins the away team and transports to the comet's surface and discovers it responds to music. Ooh, that's interesting. A starship of shepherds who are escorting the comet position themselves between it and Enterprise. They believe it's a being called Mahanit, who is an ancient arbiter of life. Enterprise distracts them, allowing Spock to alter the comet's course. Whoa, that was close. <laughs> As it passes by the planet, it releases water vapor into the atmosphere, significantly improving the conditions for life. And there was much rejoicing. Uhura decodes the music from the comet, which indicates that it had expected this interference. And Pike ponders the origins of the comet and whether this was more than just a coincidence. He also considers the lives of the cadets he'll save in... The future! Hi, this is Conor Trenier from Star Trek Enterprise. You are listening to the Computer Resume podcast. So we see some interesting things kind of unfold here in this episode, right off the bat with uh, it's being told from the perspective of Uhura. In fact, you could mm -hmm. you could even go as far as to say that this is an Uhura episode. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, what do you think of the interaction with Uhura and... Ortegas, uh, there's a little bit of gentle, friendly hazing <laughs> yes. uh, right off the bat. Uh, you know, it, in fact, it's kind of hard to call it hazing. It's more of a, a traditional practical joke of telling the cadet yes. to dress up for the event. Like you do. Yeah. <laughs> what do you think of this, uh, this first interaction between these two characters? I want to say that they're going to be friends. You can definitely tell, but it, it's, it's one of those things where... Yuhura just seems like she's just starting. Like this is essentially her first day. <laughs> yeah, pretty early on for sure. So I, I, I'm really curious to see what happens with their friendship because if they have one, I, they just they seem to have a good rapport with each other. Yeah, uh, looking at the uh, the hazing joke of you know having Yuhura show up in her uh, dress uniform when everyone is clearly dressed down and prepared to relax yes. uh, at the captain's table. I'm reminded uh, during my time at the, uh, at the jail, one of the things that we would do for new officers is to tell them to go get the handcuff repair kit. <laughs> there is no such thing as a handcuff repair kit, <laughs> but it would you know, there, there was like a secondary reason, uh, you know, we would send them to get this and we would not tell them where it is. So it would actually send that officer throughout the facility. Mm -hmm. And because the facility was so expansive, they kind of got to learn their way around a little bit. Mm -hmm. It was a bit of a, 
crash course in what's the easiest way to get through all these places. So while it was a joke, there was a secondary uh, reason to uh, familiarize new officers with the facility. Uh, you've worked in a lot of offices. Um, has there any? Has there ever been any sort of practical jokes like that played uh, where you've worked? No, I I've worked for pretty professional places that they don't do that. Um, so what you're saying is you're better than all of us. <laughs> no, not at all. I'm not sure I'm they were kidding. kidding. I've just I've always been the quiet one in the office, so mm. I, I usually got left alone. <laughs> Oh, I gotcha. I gotcha. Yeah, it's, I think because, and uh, I know your husband, Fred, who has appeared at least once on this show. You got um, him one time. One time. He could probably uh, speak to his experience working uh, in law enforcement as well, in that oh, yeah. sometimes it gets dull. Sometimes it gets boring. Like it, yeah. it's, you do stuff to kind of pass the time. In fact, uh, Ortegas even says like, it's a big ship. You get bored. <laughs> so yep. I can understand that. There's an interesting moment there in the ca at the captain's table where Pike asks Uhura where she sees herself in 10 years. And he kind of catches himself yeah. because he because he realizes where he'll be in 10 years. Did this moment stick out for you at all? Um, honestly, what stuck out more is the fact that later on in the episode, is it the first officer? Is that what they're called? Number one? Uh, uh, yes. Una? Yeah. The fact that she called him out on it later. Mm, yeah. That's what stuck out for me is she caught it. Yeah. Yeah. So I thought that was pretty Very cool. perceptive, that number one. <laughs> yes. It's good to see. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Just because... I think some of the Trek episodes, there's there was a tendency to overlook obvious things, whereas we, the audience sitting there, and maybe we're, you know, objective third parties, but, you know, looking at it, it's like, how did you not catch that? Yeah. <laughs> but even something like him taking a second, a second try at that phrase of where do you see yourself in 10 years? Yeah. Number one, picking that up shows... She's not just eye candy on the ship and she's, she's there, you know, she's there because she is a very competent officer. That's one of the things that stuck out to me. Like even watching, you know, Ortega's maneuver around some of the debris from the comet of like, oh, these are very competent officers. Like it, if you were new to Star Trek, I think this episode would kind of give you a clue that these people are incredibly smart, very, very capable. Yes, very much so. Something else I just realized, there are so many women on the bridge and it makes me so happy. Yeah, yeah. Especially when you look at how Strange New Worlds came to be in that you know, it's sort of using the original pilot episode, The Cage, as a mm -hmm. jumping off point where Pike in that original episode makes the comment of, I can't get used to a woman being on the bridge. To now, we've got a lot of ladies on the bridge, uh, and I think I think it's an interesting. I think it's interesting to see, and I, I mentioned this during our coverage of Discovery that Star Trek right now is the most diverse it's ever been in front of and behind the camera, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing because you're getting you're getting new stories and you're getting fresh takes from multiple different perspectives. Do you have any thoughts to this? 
I, I think it's awesome. And I really, I, it, I think this may actually be one of those series I will watch. I hate to say that, but some of them, it's like I've watched them once and I'm good, but I haven't seen this one yet. And I'm really kind of like in the direction it's going. Well, if, if, if you're um, if if the pilot light is lit for you <laughs> with with these first two episodes, I highly, highly recommend sticking with it because it it just gets better and better. Um, OK, I've talked with a few folks who who have been watching it pretty regularly and there's and there's a lot of folks who haven't. So, mm -hmm. you know, there's no there's no wrong time to watch Star Trek. You're, it's, oh, always, no. it's always the right time to watch Star Trek. But, um, you know, the, the other folks that I've talked to who have watched Strange New Worlds have all been really happy with it, um, save for maybe a few, a, a select few who can't wrap their brain around New Trek for some reason. Um, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so hang in there because it's, it's, this is just the beginning. It's going to get really good really quick. Um, let, let's move into the episode a little bit further. Uh, they encounter this comet, which isn't a comet, or it is. It is, but it isn't. <laughs> uh, Mahamut. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's like, is it a sentient being? Like, that's that's the thing. Is like, I I'm very curious about this. I want to know more about this. <laughs> so, I, I, just a word about the comet before we move on into uh cuz I definitely want to talk talk about the shepherds a little bit. But um with New Trek, they started doing this thing on Paramount Plus where it's the Star Trek brand sort of opening title card where you see the ship and it takes off and it forms the shape of the delta and then there's the words Star Trek. So you know so yeah. in case you're curious yes you are watching a star trek show <laughs> just in case you forgot yeah in case you forgot um <laughs> but each one of those opening brand logos is specific to the show and there's little oh, cool. yeah there's little elements in it um usually pretty subtle uh in there for that are specific to the show for example with strange new worlds you can actually see the comet because it's, oh, yeah, it's in that. I want to say it's maybe in the second shot. You'll see on the left hand side of your screen, you'll see the comet. Uh, because, okay. it's, yeah, because it's bringing life, but it also can somehow see the future. So that's future. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's one of those weird elements where as a fan, I mean, this this episode is pretty early on in the run. It's the second episode, and we are now yeah. twenty. We're now twenty episodes deep on Strange New Worlds, but this comet has stayed in that opening franchise logo, and I I'm really curious if it'll come back around again. I hope so because that's kind of it, it's very interesting. It is, but yeah. So we find out that the comet isn't a comet. And that the comet is being guarded or accompanied by this species. They refer to themselves as shepherds. And mm -hmm. they hold sort of religious reverence to it. It's it's sort of an artifact that sort of brings life and has all these elements about it. It kind of reminded me of like the Ark of the Covenant in the Indiana Jones movies of like or like the Holy Grail in Last Crusade, where there's this group of religious people who are there to 
to guard the grail and keep it safe. And they end up like whipping out guns and trying to kill Indy. And he's like, I'm trying to find my dad. Like, leave me alone. <laughs> Growing up here in the South, um, you know, having some sort of religious background is almost inevitable. But one of the things that was prevalent in my growing up in, in the church was this idea of predestination, which is kind of this whole comet's big thing is that it yeah. foresees. Yeah, yeah. There's a, an element of predestination. And in terms of modern religion, the idea of predestination is do if. If we are destined to go to heaven, do you actually have to become a Christian if you're already predestined to go to heaven? So that that's where that's where the big that's where the big confusion is am amongst yeah. religious believers. Um, yeah. Any any thoughts to this idea of you know what came first, the chicken or the egg? <laughs> kind of. I've never thought about it that deep before like where did religion come from that's essentially what you're asking me yeah I, it's, and i was really trying to think of a, a simpler way to ask it and i was like oh maybe there um, isn't a simple I, way to ask this <laughs> there's no simple way to, way to answer it either yeah yeah um it, it's it's one of those things where it's like some people have to believe in something yeah like they cannot function unless there's they're doing it for a reason or not necessarily a reason, but, but there's, there's an end game. Yeah. And you know, when we had Kevin C. Nice on the show back in the day at this point, um, <laughs> but he wrote the book, the gospel according to star Trek. And one of the big things he focused on in the book was this big belief that a lot of Trek fans have that Gene Roddenberry was an atheist and he, uh, he goes on to examine interviews he gave and articles uh, he wrote, you know, all these different things in basically coming to the conclusion that Gene Roddenberry wasn't an atheist. He was against charlatans, people using religion to get to their own means and to satisfy their own agendas. And yeah. I wonder if we had spent more time with the shepherds, because again, we see them in this episode and not to spoil anything. We're 20 episodes in, we haven't seen them again. <laughs> so I'm hoping they come back around because I'm fascinated by their structure and how this all came to be. And what is their end game? They seem they seem pretty bent on protecting uh, Mahanit, the comet, but there's got to be more to them than that. Uh, any ideas or any not thoughts about any of this? No? Okay. They may <laughs> not okay. be that complex. It could just be one of those things, like like they, like they he said when he had kind of introduced himself, um, it's it's along the lines of this is how it's always been. This is, this is what we have been bred to do for centuries. And they I, they don't need another reason. This is just how they do it. And I think a lot of religion is like that. Yeah, I, I can just, definitely just attest to that. Born into it. Yeah, and there's there's two things that the shepherd said that kind of stuck with me. Is that the first one that comes to mind was we don't even remember how this came to be, which goes to what you were just saying. Yeah. But the flip side to that coin, which makes me think that at least they're on the right track is they ask Pike, can you keep an open mind? And that seems to be 
in terms of religious belief and religious practices, it seems to be less militant if you approach it with an open mind. And I think that's something that gets yeah. lost here in the Bible Belt is like, well, if you don't believe this, you're against us. And da, 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 da. I was like, okay, hold on. Like, <laughs> if, yeah, you're either with us or against us and nothing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Um, anyways, I don't want to harp too much more on that, just but I do find the shepherds and their relationship to Mahanit and that whole structure, that whole organization very interesting because there definitely does seem to be two sides to the whole thing mm -hmm. where they're they're willing to kill like anybody <laughs> who messes with it, but at the same time Oh yeah, they take their job very seriously. Yeah, yeah, but at the same and also asking, can you keep an open mind? And when the ship is in front of the comet, they don't destroy it. Uh, you know, so anyways, there yeah. there's there's a lot to unpack there, more uh than I'm probably qualified to do. But anyways, um anything else about this episode uh sticking out to you? Uh any of the other character interactions? We get a fun one with uh Nurse Chapel and Spock. Um yes. and a couple of others, you know, we see uh Sam Kirk and Uhura interacting there on the comet. Uh, any anything else jump out at you about this episode before we get into the stats section? Um, I don't remember her name, um, because I'm terrible with names. <laughs> but the character that is a security officer, oh. she is fascinating. Yeah. Uh Lan Noonian Singh. Um yes ancestor of Khan Nudian Singh uh, from okay. Wrath of Khan, uh, yes. played wonderfully by uh, Christina Chong, uh, who's a great actress. She, she's been on Doctor Who. She actually oh, had, yeah, yeah. Um, she actually had an album come out last year, Twin Flames. Uh, so she's she's very talented and does a really fantastic job. If If Lon is a character of interest to you, buckle up her stuff her stuff gets pretty deep pretty quick <laughs> nice um i Pearl think she's Georgia, let's do this yeah i to be honest like i was about to say oh she's a fan favorite and i was like honestly everybody on this show is a fan favorite <laughs> right like, everyone is very likable like it, it, they're just there's a vibe there like it's just very chill yeah and you can tell she's super dedicated to her job Oh, yes. And it's not lost on her what her last name is. So there's a lot of personal baggage that she's got. And yeah, uh, yeah there's there's some interesting things coming down the road uh, for Lon. And uh, I can't wait for you to see it. And so we can talk about it. <laughs> but oh, nice. In terms of this, we kind of see her very bluntly addressing young Uhura of like, hey, you going to save the day or get us killed? <laughs> and to be honest, like, you have choices. Yeah. I was like, but it, you know, as a, as a former officer myself, it was just kind of like, I kind of appreciate that blunt directness of like, Hey, here's the task. And here's our compot, uh, you know, compatriot who's circling the drain. If we can speed this up a bit, that'd be great. Um, any thought, any, fix it. <laughs> yeah. Any other thoughts about uh, any of the characters or interactions or anything else before we move on? Um, no, I just, I'm really enjoying, I mean, everyone, it, the acting's amazing. Like, it's just, it's a good, it's a good show. Yeah, yeah. I think uh, 
we are um, at the beginning of a really uh, interesting journey through these couple seasons of Strange New Worlds. And we've we've already spent quite a bit of time uh, dissecting some of the character interactions, which, of course, lends to the writing. Uh, you know, certain things that we're seeing, a couple of probably directing notes uh, and, of course, performances. These are all wonderful, wonderful actors uh, in a franchise that we already love. But as we do on every episode, even though we sing its praises, we always ask the question, who do we blame? <laughs> this episode was written by Henry Alonzo Myers and Sarah Tarkoff. Let's start with Henry. His first credit was on four episodes of The Chronicle. And then he worked on 49 episodes of Charmed. He did 10 episodes Ooh. of Ugly Betty, four episodes of Chuck, 12 episodes of The Magicians, three episodes of Future Man before this, his first writing in the franchise, but not his last. And then Sarah Tarkoff, uh, early on in her career, she did nine episodes of Video Game High School from 2012. <laughs> Are you familiar with Video Game High School? I've seen the name, but I've never watched any of it. No, but I need to find it immediately. <laughs> I thought if anybody's if anybody's seen this, I know you you and Fred are uh, much more inclined to gaming than I am. But yeah, uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Sarah. Would awesome. also, yeah, <laughs> Sarah would also go on to write six episodes of Vixen, followed by Vixen the movie that was in 2017. Uh, Sarah has also worked on 51 episodes out of 170 total of Arrow from 2016 to 2019. Uh, but this is her first writing on the franchise, uh, along with Henry Alonzo Myers. Uh, but it is not her last. So we'll see her work again. And then this episode was directed by Maha Vervio. Uh, we've seen her work before. The last time we saw her work was on Discovery Season 2, Episode 11, Perpetual Infinity, which we discussed with Star Trek cosplay comedian Danny Rydell back on Episode 114. And then in terms of guest stars, we've got Dan Genote, a.k.a. Lieutenant Junior Grade George Samuel Kirk Jr. Uh, Sam Kirk. Uh, he was born in Montreal, Quebec, Canada. So we know he's a nice guy because he's Canadian. <laughs> but his first credit was uh, providing voiceover for the English version of Samurai Warrior 2, that video game for PS2. Oh, cool. Yeah, yeah, I'll have to look into that. Uh, his first film was Death Race in 2008, starring Jason Statham. It was one of the ones where he takes his shirt off and beats people to death with it, I think. Uh, then he did episode three of the first season of Being Human. That was in 2011. And then uh, he went back and did some more uh, video game work in the Assassin's Creed franchise. He did some stuff for Assassin's Creed 3, uh, Black Flag, Unity, and Dead Kings. Those were in 2012, 13, 14, and 15, respectively. Then he did eight episodes of Rain, 25 episodes of Good Witch, 28 episodes of Bold Type, and then five TV movies and another Assassin's Creed game before this, his first appearance. Uh, technically not his first appearance. His first appearance was last episode. We got a glimpse of him at the end. Um, we mm -hmm. discussed that with uh, Patrick Cunningham uh, on the last episode. But here we are. We're going to see more with uh, Sam Kirk later in the series. Uh, Ren, as we do each episode, we ask the question, 
is this essential viewing? If somebody is sitting down and working their way through Star Trek for the very first time, and they come to this episode, Children of the Comet, is this one that they must see, or can they skip this one? It really depends. Like, if if you're watching the series, yes, it's important. But as Star Trek as a whole, um, I don't know if it would be essential. You know, that's a that's a fair it's point. It's good, I, though. Yeah, it is really good. I always, you know, I'm big on, um, you know, completing the things, says the guy who still hasn't finished watching Deep Space Nine. It's totally understandable. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, looking at Strange New Worlds as a whole, they made a big thing about, and I mentioned this last episode, that they were returning to an episodic format, but that the character arcs, were what was going to be serialized. And I think in terms of this episode specifically, we're still coming out of that pilot episode. And when dealing with this entity that can foresee the future, if you're invested in Pike's story that started for us with, well, technically with the cage and then into discovery season two, and now here in strange new worlds, I think this is a good one for people to keep watching um, but mm -hmm. again, with everything else that happens in the episode, I don't know that it's really vital to everything else. I think they get into more heavy stuff, um, stuff that ties to the rest of the franchise kind of later down the road. Um, mm -hmm. so if, if you're following Pike's story, yes, if it's inconsequential, then yeah, you might be able to skip it. So, um, Ren, Thank you, thank you, thank you so much for carving out the time to come on and talk about this episode with me today. Um, do you have any parting thoughts uh, before we go, before we start to wrap things up? Anything about the episodes, anything about the franchise as a whole, anything about another wonderful appearance here on the Computer Resume podcast? Any parting thoughts before we go? I'm really looking forward to watching this and I haven't, it's been a long time since I was interested in a show like this. So I'm excited. And thank you for having me. Oh, it is our pleasure. It's our pleasure <laughs> as always. Yes. It's always, it's, it's never a dull moment when you're on the show. Let me tell you. <laughs> Good to know. I, I am a chaos pixie. <laughs> well, folks in two weeks on February 19th, we will be joined by our executive producer, and the dilithium in my nacelles, Kat Davis, will be here to discuss Strange New Worlds, Season 1, Episode 3, Ghosts of Illyria, which is available exclusively on Paramount+. Plus. Ren, where can people find you on the internet? Um, I am rcsims82 on Instagram and Facebook. That's about it. <laughs> And I am at Mr. Todd A. Davis on all of the socials. From all of us at the Computer Resume Podcast, thank you so much for listening. And I'll see you in 10 Forward.
support us on Patreon and like, rate, review, and share on all your favorite platforms. Feel free to send us your subspace transmissions to computerresumepodcasts at gmail.com or at Computer Resume on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. The Computer Resume podcast was created and produced by Mr. Todd A. Davis. Our logo was designed by Will Martin and Justin Bishop. The opening theme was produced by Justin Bishop. And our outro music was provided with permission by Dronode. Additional music was provided by Mr. Todd A. Davis and Gary Horn. And the voice of Computer Resume podcast and executive producer, me, Kat Davis. Hashtag LLAP. We'll see you next time. Going through a Star Trek. We're doing Star Trek stuff in space. We probably got some phasers and shuttle pods. And we're going to find a brand new race. How's that for a slice of fried gold?